You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey, what's going on, everybody? And by everybody, I mean no one right now because I am actually in a locker room room by myself before I invite everyone in. But if you're listening to this on the playback, then hello to you. And bear with me here as I get people in. I'm sure uh, Rachel will edit this together nicely, hopefully. So it actually makes some sense to you if you're listening to this on the playback. Uh, let's see if I can get everyone in to the room. Invites people in. I think when you do the invite all, it does that, but I can't tell for sure. I mean, you would think, but you can't know. All right, Nick's in, Seamus is in. Let me get Seamus up on stage here. Good morning, Nick. What's going on, man? Um, hey, buddy. Morning. Getting this thing going. So you yeah. got the in- did you get the invite when I just sent that there? Yeah, I got the push notification. Yes. Okay, cool. Because like on the the, the app, like it says uh, invite all, but like it doesn't really like uh, I can't tell if that actually works. I guess like like when I invite someone individually, like I click on their name and I send them an invite, and then, like I can kind of see it goes through. But when it, it's like the everyone, it just doesn't yeah. even look like it. So good to know that works. Um, morning, Nick, in the, down in the chat. Morning, David. Tuning in early. I get a lot of push notifications for other groups too, so that could also be going out. Where I think I just have a lot of stuff live when it's NBA right. and NFL related, um, so someone could just also see that. That's you know a random, you know, Forty ers fan. I've seen like a lot of Forty ers content. Obviously, your boy yeah. Stats is doing that, and they've had you know they had the biggest trade over the weekend. Where I would say that the, the Eagles probably had the, the second given how far the 49ers are jumping up and what it means for a team that's already been, you know, injury rattled last year, but a Super Bowl contender. Obviously, they made the big game two years ago and are probably one of those teams that's primed for a fourth-place finish, like a fourth-to-first, worst-to-first jump, um, especially if they get something new going at the quarterback position. So how do you feel about the trade, Shane? For, for the Niners or? For the Eagles. Oh, I mean, the initial reaction is just anger because I saw someone. It's it's a guy Jeff Wolf on Twitter, like at Jeffrey W U H L, and he made the point. This is if I wish I could have stolen it as my own point. It was this is if Brian Colangelo made the MCW trade, and I mm-hmm. thought that was pretty apt. It was a move for future value. It's something that in a vacuum you would have to appreciate. But given the person who's made it, the lack of goodwill that that person in this organization has built up over the last three years, and this team's inability to find talent outside of the top of the draft, who are the team's best picks It's in, in the last few years? It's Lane Johnson and Carson Wentz, and they were both top four picks. So the farther they go down, it's, you know, the harder it is to, you know, you're getting more darts to throw at the dartboard, but you're moving further and further away from the dartboard, and it's harder and harder to hit that bullseye. Yeah, I talked about it on the oddcast. It's like, I just don't have the face in this regime 
to make those picks. I even put up a poll on Bleeding Green Nation on Tuesday. And I mean, it's no surprise that, you know, people aren't feeling amazing about this front office, about this team in general. Um, but I think it was like 73% said they don't have faith in the front office to make the right picks with these moves. Like, like positioning is one thing, right? Like putting yourself in a good position to be successful potentially is nice. But like, if you don't execute, it's like, then like, who cares? Yeah. Like, I, I hate to be like not process oriented because I feel like that's what we're all about. Um, you know, we're saying pinky guys, but I mean, it just doesn't matter. Like if, if they're going to blow all these picks, if they, I mean, the biggest thing is finding the right quarterback, right? Like they have to, that's what, that's what the good thing about this trade is. It gives them optionality because either Hertz is the guy and they have the ammo to build around him. Can they actually successfully build around a quarterback? We've yet to see that uh, sustainably uh, or, you know, they trade for a veteran or they trade up in next year's draft, or if they need to, if they're not already picking high enough. Uh, so, so that's what I do like about it. People can't hear us right now. Okay, that's not good. Nick says, Nick says he can hear us. Okay. Uh, um, who? So Marcus can't hear us. I just bogged in and out. I can hear as well. Okay, Mark so I think we're says okay. he can hear. If you can't, maybe just hop in and hop out real quick. Yeah, try hop in, hop out. Um, also, I've seen I've I've seen some people have this issue. R.J. Ochoa from Blogging the Boys is having this issue yesterday. You're literally, your boy. Yeah, my boy. He had to like down. He had to like re-download the app. So hopefully, oh. it doesn't come to that. But if nothing else works, I would give that a try. That's kind of frustrating. Okay. Okay. So, well, uh, Marcus can hear now. That's good. Marcus is on. Let me get him up, up on stage. He requested to speak. Yeah. What's going What's on, up, Marcus? Marcus? How's it going? I was actually just trying to see. That was kind of like a test run. Uh, yeah. Smart. Myself up, but yeah. How's it going, guys? I was happy to see this room. Room starting in the morning. I just started work, and I'm working from home today. And the afternoons, I work my second job, so I miss you guys. I'm over in Minnesota, so oh, awesome. time schedule. Are you from Minnesota originally? From Wisconsin originally, but moved to Minnesota in the last four years. So, yes, okay. I stalked all of the Eagles players for 10, 10 of the 14 days leading to the Super Bowl. Love that. Yeah. And on that note, Marcus has a great picture of himself with uh, Brandon Graham in his yep. profile. For he certainly does. That's can't see, uh, listening yes. on the playback. Love that. One BLG to another. Love that uh, addition there. So so what do you think uh, of the trade, Marcus? Um, I was kind of confused or – I don't know if I was confused or if I was just kind of like shocked, but I was, it was just kind of like, whoa, what's going on? But um, I think adding a first-round pick for next year with the potential of having three next year um, is really exciting. And then, obviously, our cap space situation is going to be a lot better than it is this year. So there's a lot of hope, and I also feel like, you know, there's talks of us moving up to three to get Zach Wilson if he was going to be there, but I feel like moving back just like – gives us that reassurance that Hertz is the guy for this year. Um, and that's kind of what I liked about it. I mean, I was disappointed because I feel like we fall out of the out of a position to get um, Chase or Pitts. Uh, Pitts could fall. I just don't see the Giants or the Cowboys letting him fall to us. That'd be too nice of them. But there's so many other holes on the team. At first, it sucks because want, I wanted Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts or somebody that's, you know, round six. But also for the future, it makes a ton of sense. I thought it was a pretty good trade. And it's easy to do a trade like that with a team like Miami, I guess, that has unlimited first-round picks for the next 14 years or whatever they have, whatever they have now. <laughs> um, 
And also, you know, who's to say we're not going to trade up in front of the Giants or Cowboys to get if Kyle Pitts is there at like nine or something like that. So that's about how I feel. There's a lot of holes that need to be plugged, and adding first-round draft picks is usually a good thing. At least it gives us an opportunity to be in a good I think the the Jalen Hurts element is pretty weird in the sense that it definitely speaks well for their confidence in him for 2021 specifically. But I'm not so sure that they believe he will be the guy for 2022. This is kind of hedging a little bit, saying we're going to move down a little bit in the draft. We're not going to give you a Jamar Chase or probably not a Kyle Pitts, but we're going to give you the job this year. We're going to draft a guy at 12. Maybe it's Devonta Smith. Maybe it's Jalen Waddle. Maybe it's, you know, they, they trade down and get Rashad Bateman. Maybe it's Ronald Moore in round two with a 37th pick. But next year, if Hurts is just okay, if he's not doesn't light the world on fire, which is what I think he would really need to do, uh, to have this team have the utmost confidence in him going forward. 2022 comes, you're saying, hey, well, Hertz was okay. We don't think he's the guy guy. Let's throw these three picks in Hertz at Seattle for Russell Wilson. Let's throw these three picks at the team who has the first or second pick of the draft and get Spencer Rattler for Oklahoma or Sam Howell from UNC. I think they're, they're hedging with Hertz right now. I agree with that. I think, again, it comes down to optionality, like I said before. Yeah, it's not necessarily – it's not unwise for them to do that. I just – as a Jalen Hurts guy that, you know, you can't assume this This means they're handing the keys of the franchise for them going forward. You have to realize mm-hmm. that this is mostly a, you know, one-year experiment we're dealing with right here. Yeah, so I would say he's both a winner and a loser from the trade. Just, you know, yeah. winner in the short term. It's pretty – clear that he's going to get this year to start and show what he can do. And that's a good opportunity. And there's a chance he can make the most of it. Now, you, I think if you're a big Jalen Hurts fan, as you are, Shane, you could say that, like, uh, or, or maybe you're not quite at this level, but I'm just saying the, the biggest Jalen Hurts fan will want to see the team go all in on him. Yeah, then, like, I, I wanted to ha- him to have every chance to succeed the way the franchise has kind of failed all of their franchise quarterbacks over the last 30 years. They didn't give Wentz really enough weapons. Mm-hmm. They didn't give Donovan enough weapons. They didn't give Randall enough weapons. Obviously, Hurts doesn't have the pedigree of all those three guys, the way they were coming into the draft. And, you know, Randall is maybe the most toolsy NFL quarterback we've ever seen, either him or Michael Vick. But you would have liked to have seen a, a J- Jamar Chase with him saying, this is the best wide receiver yeah. prospect in a handful of half dozen years. And Let's Chase might what he can do with this guy. I totally agree. And Chase might go at, you know, five anyway we're here now, so maybe that's not possible. But I, I, think I, totally... the, I think the Dolphins knew they were getting Chase either way. Like, we were taking him at three, uh, but, you know, we were trading down to 12 back up to six. I feel like that was like a shadow three-team deal. The Eagles aren't making that move until, like, San Francisco and the Dolphins have that okay. So it was kind of like a handshake agreement to mm-hmm. me. So I think either way – they were telling the Eagles, look, we're taking Jamar Chase, whether it's at three or six. You can move down here and snag right. a future first for your troubles. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. I didn't think of that before. Um, on, back to quarterback, just like I think the Eagles have different options here. I mean, if Deshaun Watson, you know, and again, that could be totally untouchable. I'm not going to get into yeah, I don't want to happen. I don't want Deshaun Watson at this stage. I, I don't want him right. to because that this, this doesn't work right now. And I'm just saying, not even necessarily him, too, but if there's, like, a young, elite player who's, like, kind of available at quarterback, I mean, then that's the Kirk obvious, <laughs> that's that's the obvious, like, top route to go. Like, he would be number one, you know, if there weren't off-the-field issues, which there are. Um, so that's the top option. Then I think there's a path where the Eagles look, like, surprisingly good this year. Like, they surprise everyone, but they're kind of, like, still a quarterback away. Like, Hurts is fine but they're not really winning because of him. They're kind of winning, like, in spite of him. With him. Yeah. yeah. He has kind of, like, those high leverage moments in the fourth quarter 
those big third down runs, but isn't really, you know, leading the team on a, you know, charge and early leads in the first, second and third quarters. I feel like that's uh, probably the most likely outcome for him this year I could see, but I still have faith that he can be, you know, an above average starting quarterback for this team. And, you know, if the weapons are right, maybe they get Devonta Smith at 12 and he's, you know, electric and, you know, from day one. Maybe they go like nine and eight, you know, with him or something. Um, and I got to get used to nine and eight. <laughs> I know I, I, it's a, it's a weird one, um, but maybe like it's like that. And then at that point, they're like, "Hey, we're really not that far off in terms of like the rest of the roster." No, again, I don't think this is the most likely option. Yeah, in my opinion, but I'm just saying like there's a path where they feel like they're not far off, and then that's when you go and try to get Russ at that point if he's still available. Like you get that veteran quarterback, and you can try to win now. Um, or I think the more likely thing is they realize after another year where like potentially they're just, they're not good enough. They clearly need more pieces and hurts just isn't the guy like he, he might be okay, fine. But if I, the way I, I think about it, if hurts is anything less than convincing is how I'd put it. Like if, if, yeah. there's, any, if there's any doubt at all, like then I think they're going to pivot because I, I don't think they're already all in on him now. So, uh, they can't even have like a like a Carson Wentz 2019 season. I feel like, do you know what I yeah. mean? It needs, it needs to be higher than that. And I'm not saying he needs to be like the league MVP the way Wentz was in his second season. That's on no, the, no. It needs to be a situation where every big decision maker on that team, Jeffrey Lurie, Howie Roseman, Nick Sirianni, they all say we can win the Super Bowl with this guy. Not not this year, not 2022, but at some point in the next five years, we believe we can win a Super Bowl with this guy if we have the right roster around him. And if it's anything less than that. It's just the unfortunate ramifications of having mm-hmm. a quarterback that was drafted in the second round. You already burned one year of his cheap, cheap, cheap rookie contract backing up Wentz. This year is already done. He's going into his third season. And if he's and if he's that good, he's not going to be playing his fourth year uh, on that low caps situation. He would be looking for you know an extension and a renegotiation. So I think the the time bomb of the rookie contract is already, even though he hasn't started his second career yet, his second season yet, we already have to start worrying about what they're going to do with his rookie contract and how that relates to their presumed contending window. Yeah. So my point is just like, I think there's multiple paths they can pivot to, which is, which is good. And the reason yeah, why I like the trade, um, David, David wants to get up here Let me get David up here. What's going on, David? What's up, David? Hey guys. Thanks for having an early morning drop talk. I yeah, well, rolled out of bed, made a cup of coffee and now I'm <laughs> out doing this. I'm thrilled with the, with the draft trade. Okay. Uh, I think that 12 is the sweet spot. I think that while Eagles fans right now are very zeroed in on Chase, I think within the larger GM and team community, there's a lot of debate going on between which receiver is the best receiver going on right now. And I include Pitts in that in that conversation because and I think there's a lot of debate with regard to Pitts about even though he's you know so wonderful he's still a tight end yeah and that's still a risk to take at a top 10 historically and so there are a lot of GMs that are really like questioning like how much of my personal reputation am I willing to invest in picking the perhaps wrong wide receiver or perhaps picking you know a tight end too early when I could have made another move and so i i think at 12 there's a very high likelihood i'm thinking it's like 76 percent that one of the four receivers will be available at 12 i think it's like 96 percent that horn or parsons will be there at 12 
So to me, I, I just keep saying, if we end up at 12, drafting either Horn or Parsons, okay, would I be happy? And I think I'd be thrilled if we ended up with either Horn or, or Parsons at 12. And in the instances where Horn and Parsons isn't available, then it's, a, a, it's like a guarantee that one of the four wide receivers or a quarterback like drops you at 12. Like, it, it, it's pretty amazing about like how, how the draft kind of like irons out. I think that hitting 12 is a real sweet spot. Yeah, I just made a list in my notes app of like the 12 guys you think are going to go first. It's yeah. Lawrence, Wilson, Fields, Lance, the quarter, the four quarterbacks. And you can throw Mac Jones in there. That's an iffy. It's either a top 12 or top 13. Depends right. if the noise around the 49ers liking him is that true. Which if the 49ers did take Mac Jones, huge for the Eagles because that means it's probably going to be five quarterbacks going in the top yeah. 10. Then you have Chase, Sewell, Pitts, Slater, Horn, Smith, Waddle, Sertain. So that's either 12 or 13 guys where you're getting at least one of those guys to fall. Which you're saying, you know, if we like all those guys on a you know, relatively similar angle or to a certain degree, that's good for us. But the thing to me is, if you really, truly loved a guy and you're praying for him to fall to you at 12, maybe you should just take him at 6. And, you know, oh, take, the, take that other, the other aspect of optionality out of it. And it's a situation we saw in what, and you know, for years with the Eagles, whether it's, uh, you know, 2019, I think of the Marcus Smith draft is, is the infamous one where they're saying like, well, the top six guys in our board were all gone by this pick. So then we traded down and we got a Marcus Smith who ended up not being a, a real NFL player. So a situation like that, where I don't want them to say, well, like our top five was Pitts, Chase, Sewell, you know, Slater, and Horn, and then they're left with Sertain, and that wasn't really the guy that they were so zoned in on, but they felt like they needed to take at that point. Yeah, I'm a little older than you. I, I, I remember when we drafted uh, McNabb. Yeah. And this, and this was a little before my like, – And, and they were like – like, Not the there draft were, aspects. There, there were five quarterbacks that everyone was talking about. Keely. You know, there was – there was Culpepper. There was Achilles Smith. There, there was McNabb. There, there, there were all these people, and there was this fierce debate going on with who you're going to pick. And people were saying, like, oh, the, the Eagles should trade down, and they'll get one of the quarterbacks. Yeah, I hate that. And, and I love the fact that, they, that the leadership made a decision. Yep. And they said, this is the guy that we want to build around, and this is the one we believe in, and we're sticking to it, and we go. But they had a luxury there that the Eagles this year don't have. They had more cap room. They had more young players. They had more resources going forward. This year, we are in like such like a, a, a difficult position with regard to our cap space, with regard to the age of our team, with regard to the resources we have moving forward. Picking up an extra first-round pick, getting a fourth-round pick this year where we didn't have one, I think is a big deal. I think those are those are valuable resources. I was actually afraid that we were going to waste resources trying to move up for a player that we probably weren't going to be able to get. Yeah, I'm anti-move up for anything other than a quarterback. Obviously, we've seen it have success with the Eagles, primarily with Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox, two obvious true cornerstones of the Eagles Super Bowl run in this past era of success with the franchise. But I think in a vacuum, you have to look at it from a value perspective and where the, the Eagles are at right now, given their dearth of talent. Uh, what we thought was a dearth of picks before uh, the Carson Wentz trade, and now this Miami pick, where now the Eagles have the most picks in the entire draft this year. They might have three first future first last next year, uh, in the sense that they just need to, you know, get some guys. They need to get guys at a wide variety of positions. I don't want to trade up for 
a guy who we're not considering, you know, a franchise quarterback right now. And the and there was one other thing that the Eagles have this year that puts them in a, in a more unique situation than a lot of their people pick in is we have a brand new coaching staff that's yeah. looking to like how are we going to define the team? Who's going to be the receiver we're going to build around? And I think they could say, if we get Chase, we could build around Chase. If we get Pitts, we could build around Pitts. I think they have that flexibility right now because they don't have an established identity, offensive scheme plan that they're getting everyone onto that page already where they've already invested resources in one direction. So I think whichever way you go, they're going to be building the team that they want to build. And, and so I think that gives them flexibility that they could take the dependable guy in Smith or they could take the the all-around guy in Chase, or they could take the speed guy in in Waddle, or they yeah. could take the guy who the defenses have to, like, you know, make a plan for every play in pits. Like, they, they can do different things, and I, I think that's good. But, I mean, I, I, I heard uh, Gowden, like, you know, make the point about how strong the receivers are in the NFC East and, you know, the value of being able to get a quality, yeah. you know, secondary player, which has been overlooked you know, by our defensive coordinator choice of the last decade, you know, and, and now like being able to pick up someone like Horn or Sertain, you know, or fairly like, you know, all these people are, are likely to be available at 12, you know, will be huge impact for a team that's overlooked the secondary, you know, for a long time. How would you look at, how would you value those corners? What would be your order between Horn, Sertain and Farley? I think I'm a little off on the, the last one because of the injury concerns, Obviously, he missed all of last year. I had injury concerns. The, back, the previous, I think he's had two back surgeries at this point. I think I just have some Sidney Jones-esque PTSD where I don't really want to deal with the potential. I don't know if he'll specifically be a medical redshirt, but just this guy you're coming in who has these injury situations already when I think you have two cornerbacks of similar talent right there in Horn and Sertain. Exactly. I, I, I mean, because of the Eagles' history, I would, I would stay away from Fairley just because I'm a little gun-shy. Definitely. Okay. Like if, if we had more of a history of being able to, you know, pick like secondary players, I think if we're picking a secondary player, they have to be someone who could contribute right away. Yeah. And I think Horner Sertain can do that. And the likelihood of Horner Sertain being there, I think is very high. One of the two. Um, Sertain coming out of Alabama. I mean, I can put enough stock in Alabama players. When in doubt, just drafted an SEC defensive player. That's my motto this year. When in doubt, just grab a guy from there. I mean, it's amazing to me when I look at Sertain. It's like, think of the competition he had to go through to be able to, like, get offered a spot to join Alabama and then to make the team in Alabama and then to be able to start on the team in Alabama. And then you're coached by the, the staff at Alabama. And then you play against the competition that the SEC plays at a high level. I mean, that is a pretty high pedigree. And I think the production that he's delivered is outstanding. And, and I think he would be an, a, a huge improvement overnight to the character. I think what it, what it would signal to the rest of the team about what the role of the secondary is would be huge. But then you look at someone like Horn, who is just as productive, but he has Being that pro, like pro pedigree of the fathers, both uh, pro ball players. Exactly. And, 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 and he has that tenacity. Definitely. Like, like Horn is that person. I think I heard someone on another podcast say like, he plays like everybody on the other team, like insulted his mother. On and that's every the cornerback mentality you need to have. And I love that. I, you know, and I think Eagles fans love that. I think we're hungry for that. That Brian Dawkins, like, mm. you know, player is going to come out there and just like inspire, like, you know, through tenacity and grit, you know, being able to make it done. And like someone who has that motor, like, so I, I really don't think we could go wrong with either one. I think both will be a significant impact. 
And on the flip side, like I can take, I mean, I think Parsons is a top defensive player in this draft, and I have no idea why people are even talking about character issues with a guy when, I mean, honestly, I can't imagine if you were white that they would even be saying that it's a character issue. Like, you know, the, the the things in his past, like he was present when other people were hazing and he wasn't even named as the as the person doing it. Yeah. I don't even, I don't even get it. And from everything I've seen, you know, watching Penn State, everything I've heard from players in that locker room, he's a leader. Everybody loves him. He works hard. He works with other players to make them better. He takes people under their, his wing. Like he sounds like a tremendous guy. And he sounds like he's the best linebacker prospect since Keekly. Only he's bigger, stronger, and faster. Like, I mean, it, it's it's amazing to me. Like, you know, if we were able to land somebody like that, I think that would be outstanding too. If they take an Alabama player, it'd be the first one they took since 2002, <laughs> <laughs> which is just crazy. Um, uh, since like, this, you mean in the first round or just overall? Uh. I think it's overall, right? I think directly from Alabama. Yeah. It's just insane. They, yeah, Hertz, like Hertz doesn't count, right? Yeah. So, yeah. I'm saying directly from yeah, oh, man. Alabama. Um, crazy. Insane. Uh, <laughs> Says a get, lot. Says wanna, a lot. I want to get into the, the theme of the name of the room here. Who should the Eagles draft? And we were kind of t- hitting on that, but explicitly kind of want to have everyone say. You can say in the chat down below if you're commenting or if you're up here on stage, we'll get to you. Or if you want to request to speak, we'll also get to you. Uh, for me, Bring me Devontae Smith. Like, that's the guy I want. Uh, I'll be pretty cool with Waddle, too. But Smith is just, like, to me, he's just this year's Justin Jefferson in terms of a guy, like, just don't overthink it. He won the Heisman. He's a freaking baller. He had all this production. Uh, like, just don't don't overthink it. Don't don't be like, oh, we can't uh, the wait. Uh, like, no, don't overthink it. He's the guy. No, I don't know if he's going to be there at 12. Uh, but I want to read you guys this thing that you might have seen going around. Bruce Feldman, the athletic, put this out. He was citing other players uh, who were talking highly about Devontae Smith, and they said he doesn't drop a ball ever. The most impressive thing, though, is after each series, he'd come off to the sideline and tell their coaches they did this and they did this and this. He really knows coverages and what defenses are trying to do. Our guys came back to the sideline and said he's calling out what we're playing and telling their sideline what our coverages are and how we're playing our main coverage. God almighty, that's different. So yeah. Uh, also like cerebral kind of assassin on the field. I love it. I mean, Jalen yeah, literally he's called the, him a smooth criminal. Keekly. He's the Luke Keekly of wide receivers. <laughs> so I, I'd also be cool with Waddle though. Like uh, the profile there is just a little shakier in terms of he hasn't had the production. There's injury issues. Um, I'm not going to get mad about it. I think I think there's reason to be intrigued by the upside there, but but Smith is my guy. Who's everyone else's guy? Starting with you, Shane. Definitely Smith, but as as the Jalen Hurts guy for BGN, the way they have already have a rapport and the close friendship, he I think Hurts said that Waddle is like a little brother to him. I think that is such an intriguing aspect. Though I, I would still go Smith first, and I actually think there's a higher chance that Waddle goes before Smith. Uh, just the way the league might value him and his speed and his ability on the outside. I actually have a mock draft coming in a few days for NBC Sports Philadelphia where I have a Waddle going ahead of Smith. Um, but Smith's my guy. I I would also say I might be more into trading down rather than grabbing a cornerback right there. Or The way that this franchise has so valued 
the trenches between edge rushers and offensive tackles, I could see a situation where they trade down and maybe pick up a Gregory Rousseau from Miami, Mr. 305 over there. And this is a weak safety class, and I kind of value safety more than cornerback. And it's a situation where I don't necessarily want to do this, but, you know, one possible thing I could see that I think I might be on board for was trading down and maybe picking up the safety from TCU, Trayvon Morig. That uh, Morig, I love. I just think he's a great pick with their second round pick. Yeah, like as but my thing is, is he is he a late first? Is he going to be there at thirty seven? I think if he's there at thirty seven, you run to the podium before you know you have any chance to even feel the call <laughs> about a possible trade. He's a guy I like at thirty seven automatically. Uh, Christian Barmore from Alabama, Newman Gretty, South Philly guy. Uh, those are my two guys at thirty seven. But um, I guess it's con- you know kind of contradictory to me complain about how much they're trading down and missing a shot at premium talent. Uh, early at the top six pick. But Smith is like, I, I might top decision, stay at 12, draft Baller or Smith, see how things go from there. So, by my numbers, I see like an 11% chance that Chase is there at 12. I see a 19% chance that Waddle's there at 12. I see a 26% chance that Smith is there at 12. I see a 40% chance that Pitts is there at 12. So, if, if I'm kind of like looking at all those players, I kind of think one of them might be there. And I'm with you. I think like Luke Keekley, you know, going for the Luke Keekley of the wide receiver core in Smith is, you know, an amazing get. You know, I'd be very happy with Waddle there and the speed and size that he brings. I don't think you could go wrong if you added Chase into your mix. But oh. I think but I think if if I had my choice, if Pitts was there, I'd be taking Pitts. Marcus, who's your guy if you're still there up on stage with us here? Marcus had another question too, if you wanted to get to that. Yeah, uh, I'll stick with the the theme here quick first, but I would have to say I like Devontae Smith. I I wouldn't have I would have taken Chase over Devontae Smith at six. Yeah, um, but being at twelve, I I would love the value for Devontae Smith. And I was actually just looking up. I don't know exactly how old he is, but um, I also wonder at his age and because he is still young. It's twenty two. It says here, so it'll be twenty three in November. How much is he gonna like grow into? Because he's a six foot one frame. So like, how much is he gonna grow and build on that in the NFL naturally? I know he said, you know, he's one hundred seventy pounds, and so what? But you know, is there a chance he's gonna put on any five ten pounds of muscle just by being in the NFL and working out on a you know in professional? I, I suppose he does work out in Alabama, which is pretty much like a professional yeah, scene. But that. <laughs> yeah, that was just one one thought I had. But I would take Devontae Smith or Waddle at um, twelve. I just want to give Hertz a chance. I want to give him an opportunity this year if we're going to commit to him. Um, and that was kind of the other question I had too. Kind of you know circling back to to Hertz is like, what do you guys see as the uh, is there like a number like numbers for him as to what how would we look at it and go okay he's our guy like going forward is it just going to be like a you know just like a pure as he missing plays and stuff like that or are there certain numbers I was I had some numbers in mind because I was actually talking to one of my buddies about this who's an Eagles fan and I was like let's say if like Hertz goes out there and has like 3,800 yard total yards 25 total touchdowns and like 15 total turnovers like, is that enough, or does it need to be more or less, or is it going to be, like, a record-based thing for for him? On, on Devontae first, um, yeah. I remember when the Eagles drafted Lane Johnson, there was this thing they talked about where, like, they measured his ankles and different stuff. Like, they could, they were trying to, like, see how much, like, weight he could put on. 
Uh, I don't know if that's also possible with Devontae Smith. Like, if they can, they kind of have things they can kind of gauge, like, okay, we, we know this guy can have this weight or, or everything. He is 22, which isn't, like, on the super young side right. for a rookie. Um, Justin Jefferson was, like, 20. You know, Jalen Rager was, I think, 21 or whatever. Yep. Uh, when they're, so, like, he's, he's a little bit older, not super old. Not John Hightower, who was, like, 24 or 23 or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, so there's there's that. And then on Hertz, I think it's kind of just this is like a cop out answer in a way, but it's like if you it's like if you know you know like yeah I, I, I think <laughs> the way I keep putting it is like if there's any kind of doubt at all, then I, I just think you have to pivot, um, and that doesn't necessarily mean you're you know you're cutting Jalen Hurts. You can still keep him on the team. He's still in, in the mix. Um, obviously not as a primary option anymore, but uh, but yeah, I, I don't think it's necessarily. I mean, obviously, yeah. I mean, like you're going to know if the statistics are extremely good or bad one way. Um, if you know the team success, obviously, is a factor. Like, there's a lot of different factors that go into this. Wow, leader, yeah. Leadership, but um, I think it's going to be. I, I think if he's not the guy, then it's it's, it's a pass or a fail. Yeah, I think you're going to know. I think you're going to know about uh, Jalen based on how everybody else does. If the wide receiver core wakes up. Mm. You know, yep. that's going to be huge, even if he's not putting up outstanding numbers. You know what yeah. I mean? In like, a weird way, if, I think his stats if, if being the worse line, help him. If the offensive line is giving up less sacks and, and, and getting more rushing yards, that's going to be huge. Like, th- I think those are going to be a lot of the things that are going. I mean, what, what Hurts brings to the table is that leadership it factor. Yes. Like, he, he, people want to follow him in a battle. Like, that's what he brings. And he has, like, you know, he has a decent, like, you know, set of tools in his tool, toolbox. He's not elite tools in his toolbox, but he has, like, a decent, like, set there. Yeah. And if his leadership, you know, comes forth, then, like, that's a reason to be able to, like, you know, stick with him moving forward. And that's the one yeah, thing I, I thought. I, Sorry, uh, but go yeah, ahead. But, oh, yeah, I was just going to say, like, on, on, the, on the draft thing, I just feel that if one of the four – wide receivers and uh, receivers are there i'm looking there and i have priorities within those right if none of them are there then i feel pretty strongly that i either want to get horn or parsons what i don't want to see the eagles do at 12 is i don't want to see them go slater darisaw uh fairly um bearmore quitty pay phillips rousseau like, I, I think any of those people who will likely be there at 12 are going in the wrong direction. I think our offensive line can be addressed later on in the draft. I think, like, you know, our our edge rush players can be, you know, supplemented later on in the draft. We could find defensive tackles later on in the draft. Like, I think we need that impact skill player, you know, going on with that 12 pick. They're absolutely taking alignment in the first round. <laughs> just, we all know it's true. Like, all this they posturing do. about receivers and their chemistry with Hurts, their relationship, how they will factor in the offense, how it will move You know, Dallas Goddard and Jalen Rager. And we just saw a report from Adam Kaplan this morning that Jalen Rager is going to be the Eagles slot receiver this season. I, I want to put – hold on that, Shane. Okay. Uh, there did, there's something that came out on that that he said he will play in the slot at times, but he's still going to be the so Z like receiver. Kind of hedged a little bit, okay. Yeah, uh, I, I did want to say about Hertz real quick that I kind of that I think if he throws for like forty two hundred yards, it probably means the team sucks and they're like you know four and <laughs> what four and third like doing, yeah. you know what I mean like they're That's getting point. mauled and 
you know, he's just kind of throwing up garbage time numbers. I'm not someone who says like passing yards are irrelevant. I don't, I don't mean that there's, there's a world where he throws, you know, 3,900 yards and the team goes, you know, 10 and seven and they, you know, they make a crappy playoff spot in the NFC East. Um, but I think there's a situation where it's going to be more record based. I know that uh, record isn't necessarily something that we can always pin on the quarterback, but uh, I think David had it right where, how the team responds to him, how's what the team's relationship is with him. If you see the wide receiver break out, whether it's Jalen Rager looking better than he did as a rookie, whether it's Travis Fulgham regaining the form he had for that you know four or five game stretch, or if it's a Devonta Smith or Jalen Waddle or even maybe a Kyle Pitts having you know one of those great great rookie wide receiver seasons that we've become so accustomed to seeing in the NFL, but we just haven't seen with Eagles players. Yeah. I think the the teammate thing is relevant and a good point there by David. Um, not just in terms of on field performance, but again leadership and everything too. Like I think Hertz is a pretty magnetic guy in general, mm-hmm. and players like to to play for him. Um, not yeah. the same thing with the previous quarterback here always, yeah. but uh, so I think like if you have guys, you know, if he's if it's kind of on the fence, I still think they have to pivot. But I mean, if you have guys in this locker room who are like be like Jalen has to be the guy, like he's our guy, like like we want him. I mean, you don't just, you know, cater to them specifically, but their voices are going to have to be. Yeah, and I think to David's point, too, that's what, when he was talking about, like, Horn and stuff like that, I thought of Hurts because, like, me personally, like I was saying, I grew up in Wisconsin, lived in Minnesota. I've never been to Philly, but being an Eagles fan, I got, you know, Dawkins, Jersey, Westbrook. I've been an Eagles fan for a long time, and just, like, being connected through to the city through, like, social media and just being a part of, like, a fan of the team – like you look at Hertz and Horn, you think they have that like heart, like that Philadelphia like grit to them, and I think that's what I mean. I don't know. Then my yeah. thought was is like that's what Wentz was missing is he didn't have that about him, and immediately when Hertz went in last year, like that's what we saw is he just like has that swagger and confidence about him that like Philadelphia needs, and that's what I mean. Foles throughout that whole playoff run, just like cool, calm, collected guy that just has that swag about him that we need and that's what I also like with David with David's point that's what I really like about Horn as well is he just has that like Philadelphia heart that I feel like we're we need and like this team needs especially yeah that's like a real good point I think the um when when you're looking at at offensive linemen I'm wondering you know is there even room do we have a spot for an offensive lineman right now or are we going to draft a first round player and he's not going to play much I'm fine with rolling with Mailata as left tackle. I think he's done enough to earn that job for 2021. I think both BLG and myself are low on Andre Dillard, as the organization seems to be overall. So yes. I, could see, I mean, they're an organization that does prioritize offensive line, but I don't see them going offensive tackle this year just based on Lane Johnson. Obviously, he's battled injuries, but he's still, what, 31. They might think he could have you know, played till he's 34, 35. It might not be prudent to get an offensive tackle and kind of waste his rookie contract here, I think. But we'll see. I think a, a guard, center, versatile player could be in the cards on day two. Oh, sure. There are those in the Eagles organization who think Andre Dillard is soft, straight it's up. It's been like, that way that, since that's his first a, that's a real thing. It's not a new development. You know what I mean? They kind of they didn't they didn't have they didn't bring him in for an interview or get a true personality profile of him. I'm not saying like some kind of you know antiquated you know personality test, but just they didn't get a real feel for him before the draft because they didn't necessarily think they'd be in a position to get him when they ended up eventually trading up to, I believe, the 19th pick it was to grab him out of Washington State. 
it's really been a big flaw for the Eagles in the, these drafts. Like a lot of these guys that are missing on, let's just look historically, even going back as far as Danny Watkins, like these guys that they've missed on, like they're just not getting the character part right. And I'm not talking about, you know, is this guy like having legal issues? I'm talking about like football character. Like does this guy want to play football? And <laughs> for one, that's, I mean, that's a, a basic thing that needs to be I figured out. But but be, even beyond that, like, is this guy like a winner? Like, I, I, that's so cliche, and I talk about BWE and BLE, big loser energy, big winner energy a lot. But like, I don't know. There's like some there's some real stuff to that in terms of like a guy just being an absolute dog. Like, all he cares about is winning. I mean, Brian Dawkins was great for many reasons, and it wasn't just because he tried hard. But like, part of what made him super special was like an elite talent who also like gave everything and wanted to win so freaking bad. And I feel the same way about Joel Embiid compared to another sport. Like, Joel just wants to freaking win. Like, that's why you're seeing him crying after they lose in the playoffs. Like, cause he, it hurts him. Cause he, he wants to win, like, more than anything. And Eagles fans, well, the Eagles to win more than anything. So, come on. Just give me, like, some guy who, like, you know, just who has the BWE. I think Hurts has it. Uh, we'll see how that serves him, obviously, if the talent isn't there. But, yeah, so I think scouting character is is just really paramount. Like, they, they have to get this right. And I think that's – this year – like, they need to learn from last year. And when you talk about the defensive end position, which, you know, seems like they could go in that direction because it's something they've always done. Uh-huh. I think, like, I was looking at the history of the 12th pick, and I think seven out of the last 11 picks at 12 were either, like, defensive linemen or cornerback. And I think most of them were defensive linemen. So it is that, historically, it's like that kind of spot where that happens. And obviously, the Eagles got Fletcher Cox at 12 in uh, 2012. <laughs> Well, well, it's funny when you say BWE, because I think a big component of that is, you know, a willingness not to rest on your laurels. Sure. Like, I look at somebody somebody like Gregory Rousseau, who has, like, God-given, like, talents, and, you know, is happy to let him coast on that, you know, and and enjoy what comes to him, right? But I don't see him as, like, one of those, like, LeBron-type players who wants to, like, add something to his game every single like season and be able to like build and build and build. Whereas like the other players, whether it's chase or waddle or Smith or Pitts or horn or certain like Parsons, J O K. Like all these are players who are just like, they're constantly battling. Like, what can I do more? How can I get faster? How could I have made that play? Like, those are the people I want to get inspired by. And I, I, I think that there will be you know, a lot of them at 12 for us to look at. One thing that uh, Solak has talked about in terms of Devontae Smith is um, he thinks the Eagles aren't going to be in on him just from what they value, like from an analytical perspective. It just Devontae Smith is, is very much like the exception because of the weight and everything. Like, that's not a guy you bet on in terms of profile. Um, and I can get that. Uh, and, and by contrast, he was talking about how, like, a team that really just more, relies more so on tape and everything and scouting as opposed to the analytics and, like, by analytics, I mean, like, historical precedents and everything. Yeah. Like, the, the chance that this guy could be good just based on the history. What's the prototype? Um, so, I, I def- and I think that's fair. And in general, I want, ideally, my organization to be, you know, marrying those two. And I think you absolutely can't just ignore you know, the, the chances of the, the hit rate and everything that they come up with. But you can't also just, you know, I think they've relied too heavily on that. Or, well, I or, mean, it's interesting when people say analytics, because the key thing about any analytics is is production. And Devontae Smith's production has just been outstanding every year. 
and he's always been undersized and he's always been slower and he's always weighed next to nothing. And he still was invited to Alabama and made the team in Alabama and beat out all the other like five star, whatever receivers coming out of Alabama and then produced, you know, on the field week in and week out. Like if you're crunching numbers and studying analytics, that's got to jump off the page. Yeah, I so I mean, like, I, obviously, there's no combine this year, so hopefully, I, I and you know, I, I forget. Did Devonte Smith work out at the pro day yesterday on on uh, Tuesday? Uh, he did more than expected. Okay, like, you know, people thought he was going to do like limited stuff yesterday, and he likes, you know, he was he he like you know ran more routes and he took more passes and he like did more stuff than people were expecting him to do. Yeah, because like people were pretty impressed from what I hear. Because you want to see all that, like that's that all has to be part of the picture. Um, I, I think the, the thing that drives me crazy about not taking Jefferson last year was just like he checked every box. Like what what didn't he do? I mean, you can say the outside receiver thing, slot, but like that was just always garbage to me anyway. I mean, he was playing as I think like a nineteen year old, uh, and as a, and as a junior or whatever or two thousand whatever it was, two thousand eighteen. Um, he was a junior and he put up like 800 yards still in the SEC. Like it was fine. He, he wasn't like dominating, but, but so when you go back to Smith and production, I want to talk about that, at, like a high level, like this isn't Donnell Pumphrey becoming the NCAA leader in rushing yards or whatever he did, uh, playing for what San Diego state. Like this is, you know, this is Alabama. This is the SEC. He was dominating. Like you can't ignore that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I agree. And, and and Howie is willing to make the decision on his own if necessary. But it seems to me over the years that Howie's been in the big seat that he has always preferred to be able to get like the measure of the room. And he cared what the coaching staff thought. And he cared about like you know he he took that inventory and, and allowed that to shape a decision. What I don't know is I don't know anything about this coaching staff in terms of what are they looking for? You know, are they like heavily in analytics? Are they, are they like Chip Kelly and they want like big, tall, like wide receivers who are like bigger and stronger and faster than everyone else? Are, you know, are they looking for like speedy, shifty guys? Like I keep hearing that they like two tight end sets. Is this like essential to them? You know, are they really, you know, is that like a key component of what the offense is going to be based on having two active tight ends on the field on a regular basis? Uh, you know, because all these things will like weigh into it. And I, I don't know about know enough about the new coaching staff to be able to predict like what they're looking for. Any insights that anyone here has would be like great for me to hear. Yeah, we just don't know, really. You know, there's a lot of unknown. I mean, it's kind of funny you ask about the coaching staff, what they prefer, because Apparently, the coaching staff is to blame for the Eagles drafting Jalen Rager, even though Doug can't hire his own coaching staff. But then somehow he's making the face and turning the cards in, and, and how he isn't okay. Um, <laughs> so, so I don't know, you know, how much power the coaching staff has. It's it's hard to say exactly. I mean, we can obviously kind of try to look back at like, okay, what did Sirianni have with the Chargers? They had some bigger guys there. Um, you know, they drafted M- Michael Pittman last year. Um, so, but like they, they might already have that on their roster if they believe in Travis Fulgham. Maybe that's their ex. Uh, it, it totally depends how they want to use these guys. Um, I, I mean, but we have some people from Florida, right, who are now on the coaching staff. Yeah, uh, Brian Johnson, you know, the quarterbacks coach. Right. So, uh, so, so, I mean, to me, if if Pitts is available, is there any way he doesn't take him? I don't think Pitts is going to be available. I think he's going to go. And, I mean, I think if the Eagles really wanted him, they would have just stayed, you know. I think they would have stayed there 
at six and uh, take him. I know, take him at six is really tough. How do you justify to a lot of people that you took him at six instead of the wide receiver? Like to me, to me, that's that that that's a huge hot seat. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be Pitts. I just I don't. And the, I think the twelve personnel thing it's a little overstated there. The Colts were like middle of the pack in two tight end sets last year. Um, the Eagles have led the league each of the past two years, like an obnoxious amount of 12 personnel. It was like 52% in 2019. And then I think it was something like 34 or so percent last year. Um, just It's just not a real way, in my opinion, to, to run your base offense. I mean, I think it can be a nice change of pace. I think it has a, a place in the offense, sure. But it can't be your offense. <laughs> I mean, do we know anything about the defense? Are they running 3-4? Are they running 4-3? I, I mean, I've heard some stuff about cover two in the secondary. Yeah. Like, you know, zone is Rousseau or certain, I mean, is uh, Horn or certain better for one or the other? Like, well, does we also Carson haven't, fit into that? Like, I, we, we haven't heard from Jonathan Gannon. Like, the Eagles haven't, I mean, the Eagles did an interview with him on their own website, but they haven't made him available to, you know, media questioning to really dig in. You know, looking at his background, it's always been, you know, more of a 4 3. You look at Mike Zimmer in Minnesota, you look at the Colts. Cover two is something that comes up a lot when we talk about. Horn played in a cover four at okay. uh, USC. So they think one, that people are saying that could be a good fit for one thing, cover two scheme. One thing uh, that came up when I was talking to the SIS guys, Sports Info Solutions guys, about the Eagles was like, they're, they're, yeah, Waddle's their number one wide receiver, which I thought was interesting. But they also talked about how they really wouldn't take a corner at six. Now, obviously, the Eagles aren't picking there anymore, but. At the time they were, we were talking about that. And they said, it's just not like worth taking a cover two corner. You can find a cover two corner. And that kind of got me thinking because you looked at, I mean, look at uh, Xavier Rhodes, the success that he had last year. And, you know, they found him on the market. Now, obviously he had success in the past, but like, well, the Vikings cut him. He was coming off a pretty bad year. So, and then even TJ Carey, who the Eagles are reportedly interested in, like he's kind of bounced around the league. He's never really been anything you know special but he had like a career year last year under Gannon as his position coach and I'm just wondering here like can the Eagles maybe do less with more with less more with less at cornerback and that kind of almost makes me question if they will like if they should really take one at 12. That's a good point I mean I mean that's that's what we've been doing. Been doing in terms of like trying to do more with less? Yeah like our, our, our last defensive coordinator Mm-hmm. He who must not be named, you know, is, you know, he basically never valued secondary. Like, as soon as we draft him, I'm like, okay, well, we're never drafting, like, a cornerback again. He doesn't care about safeties. He always thought his wide nine would put all the players mm. you need. And, you know, I wouldn't say find he somebody in the seventh round or free agency to pick up and throw back there, and that'll be fine. I, I would push back on the safety thing. I mean, like, Jenkins is really important. He's like, incredibly important. And then he loved Rodney, too. And that was a big, that was a big signing in 2016. And then even... When, like Slay, you know, they gave him a, a record deal. Now, you know, you had Mills um, starting. He was a seventh-round pick. Yeah, they, they, I, I would agree. They, they went after, like, you know, they valued veterans over, like, draftees when it came to mm-hmm. I'd agree with that. And they just couldn't develop him. You know, they took Sydney in the second. They took, you know, Rizal in the third. Obviously, didn't turn out to be anything here. I would go defense. Assuming they go offense with their day one pick, whether they stay at 12, trade up, trade down. I think you need to go defense with all of your day two picks, all three of them. Hmm. Uh, I mean, I think you can get a line. I think Jabril Cox is a, is a play there at 70 or maybe even at 37. I think Asante I mean, Samuel Jr. is a play there at 37. I think or, yes. or Trevon Morig, if he falls to 37, Christian Barmore, all these possibilities. And then 
you know, at 84, you might have uh, Johnson from Indiana as a safety. You could have uh, Trill Williams, a cornerback from Syracuse. There are all these options there at 70 and 84. Yeah, I would, I would love to get Asante. That'd be really fun. Um, Ball, I mean, you I need mean, a linebacker. With, with defensive backs is I think the trait you need to – emphasize the most is ball skills i think the way the league is with passing with how dynamic receivers are it's hard to be like assert your true influence as a corner or a safety if you're not coming out with turnovers if you're not picking off five or six passes a year and i think that those ball skills that's what i'm looking at most in any sort of defensive back prospect i'm looking at do they have that eye for the ball are they a ball hawk are they able to do they have good hands do they have run after the catch ability to, you know, turn an interception into a plus play in reality for the offense? Because it's worth it, right? In terms of like you want a guy in theory who's like that's, you might a get game, that's how you are a game wrecker as a defensive back. You talk about game wreckers on the defensive line, your Aaron Donald's the way Fletcher Cox used to be in 2017, 2016, 2018. That's how you're a game wrecker as a defensive back. Like he might give up some yards, but he's gonna like basically Asante. Like Asante yeah, would give I mean, up that, stuff. That's, I think that's the perfect modern not not perfect, but that's the archetype of a player that I want on defense at cornerback in twenty twenty one. What do you guys think about the Syracuse quarterback? You thought to I think he's in the mix at 70 or 84, but I, I might. I also like the other Syracuse cornerback, Trill Williams, a lot. Yeah. Trill Williams, big Dan Klausner guy. Yeah, I think there's, those guys should both be options at 70 and 84. And know what? If they went, just say they said they took Devonta Smith at 12, they took Jabril Cox at 37 or a different linebacker, I wouldn't really hate going both of those guys at 70 and 84. Well, I mean, it's, the reason I bring it up is because I see his name like shooting up like you know, mock draft boards everywhere. Like on every site, he's now inside the 40s regularly. He's a first-round pick in so, on some boards now. He's like regularly there, you know, when Eagles are thinking about picking 37. What is he, like CB4, I guess, or CB5? You have uh, Sertain, Farley, Horn, and then you also have Greg Newsom the second from Northwestern. I guess they would peg him right there. They also have Asante Samuel, who could be CB5, CB6. I mean, I was really impressed by Keith Taylor from Washington. I'm, I'm weary. I, it's irrational, weary of the Washington cornerback for now. But the same way, I mean, it's not rational in the slightest. But the same I mean, way, is that I feel about Elijah Molden too. Like you, like both of them, you're you're wary of. I mean, it's just like more of a joke than anything sincere. But oh. <laughs> the same way, like I was nervous about Trey Lance just because he was a North Dakota State quarterback. Uh, going on the linebacker, touch on that before we wrap up here. It's come up in the chat a little bit about Micah Parsons. I really don't think he's going to be in play still. I mean, like he is obviously more in play at twelve than he was at six, but I, I still don't think that's the guy. I, I just I can't I can't believe that's going to happen until I see it. Like we we say the stat all the time. It's been since nineteen seventy nine since they drafted a linebacker in the first round, like an off ball linebacker. Um, so I, I just don't believe it. Now I guess the wild card is like he could blitz. Well, that. But also, like, like they, they justified as how they get they get another pass rusher who plays mm, linebacker. I think that's a little too cute. Do they think he's like, Darius Leonard, or like not necessarily the same type of player, but that type of role, the way that he completely transformed the Colts' defense when Gannon was there, and that kind of bringing those those sensibilities with them to Philadelphia. That's the uh, that's what makes me like wonder about it, I guess. Uh, and because even then, looking at Minnesota too, you know the history of linebackers there. You yeah, know, Anthony Barr. 
uh, you know, being highly valued. So I think I think I would tend to think they're going to be more high, or at least more valued than they have in the past. When you're talking about uh, you know different roles and stuff, David, it almost reminds me of you know, like Isaiah Simmons, <laughs> who uh, I, I don't want that guy. No, like that guy is nice in theory, but like coaches aren't going to know at it. It might not even be his fault necessarily. But, I mean, like, it's coach- so funny. It's like linebacker. Like there's like one kind of linebacker. Hey, Sam, can you, know? you mute for a second? Yes. It's like there's one kind. There's one kind of linebacker and yet like they come in all these different shapes and sizes like parsons is different from collins which is different from jabil cox who's different from nick bolton who's different than pete werner you know uh or dylan moses is, is like you know linebacker and like they're all completely different players all right so uh any final thoughts before we wrap up here any any burning desires to get off your chat anyone in the chat down below or anyone who wants to cross to speak, David, Seamus, any uh, any last words for us before we wrap up this morning edition of a locker room chat? I like the morning edition. That was something different. I like I like us playing around the different times, and it could be a situation I think going forward where maybe we reach out to the you know make a poll on the website. What time of the day or a week uh, people mm-hmm. might be interested in doing these? I think we're definitely going to keep ramping them up at least once a week as we get closer to the draft season and having some fun with them. I love. David, a recurring guest on here. Love his takes. Love his commentary. And it brings a nice voice here. So, you know, I'm loving the show as someone who's a part of it. Yes. Speaking of the show, I was wondering if Brandon's getting closer to getting like a radio gig. Why well, does he already have one? Yeah. Hey. Hey, uh, if you know anyone who's uh, who can get me in, let me know. I'll, uh, I'll take it. I'll consider it. <laughs> um, yeah, so that does it for this week's episode. Um, didn't promote it on social media this week. We're not doing that right now. We're kind of testing out like how much we're, you know, input we're getting just from the site alone. So if you didn't see a social plug and you're listening to this on the replay and you're like, where was it? Well, you didn't miss it. You're not going crazy. It just wasn't there. We'll be doing those in the future. Uh, obviously, want to get some other people jumping on here with us in the future. I, I want to get Jimmy Kemsky on here at some point. I'll do a chat with him. I want to get Ben Solak on here, especially soon, you know, talk about draft in detail and everything. Um, so maybe we, maybe we can even get Michael Histon here. He left us. Uh, but boss man. Yeah, yeah the, I, I just want to thank you guys again. Like, I, I, like I think this format is really terrific. I look yeah. forward to like the notifications that you that you're putting some together, and I and I look for them when I'm reading like you know on BGN, you know, and, and various sites. I'm like looking for like, oh, we're gonna be having a locker room session coming up. Awesome. So thanks for putting that together. Uh, make sure you give me a follow and Seamus too and David. Let's all follow each other. Follow everyone. Uh, Give us a follow on the locker room app, just so, especially just so you can see when the room gets started. Because I send out an invite to everyone on the app, uh, and then that way you can get notified. So do that. Um, check out Right to Sell on Craft Jerky, BGN Radio's sponsor, of course, by going to righttosell.com. Discount code BGN15, 15% off the beef jerky and other snacks and other gear and all the great things that they have. So go do that. Um, thanks for listening to this. Need some for the draft. Needs absolutely need some for the draft. Thank you for listening. If you're on the replay, that's really cool. Um, Rachel's going to be editing this together. So, uh, looking forward to seeing if anyone is listening on the replay. I was, I just, it's funny to me because, uh, uh, it's just like, cause some people look for it and, and I think that's awesome. So, yeah. uh, but, but that'll do it for this week, and stay tuned for another one. We'll be doing these at least weekly leading up to the draft. Hopefully, maybe do a bigger draft show, and we'll talk to you next time. From data privacy to the future of TV, retail media, and beyond, 
the world of digital marketing is constantly in flux. So how can you keep up? Well, The Current Report is there for you. Each week, marketing leaders on the cutting edge give you the latest insight. So if it's creating a buzz, they'll be talking about it. Subscribe to The Current Report wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.